Hi, this is Kevin Goldsmith. Welcome to the Progression Podcast. Today I have Kevin Goldsmith. He is a kind of a legend CTO. Uh, he's been at companies like Microsoft, Adobe, most famously Spotify. A lot of our conversation focuses on his time at Spotify because he was there when they were really rolling out uh, squads and tribes and the, the Spotify model, as it's now known. Uh, but we go into the weeds about how to manage a big engineering team, how to uh, manage progression across hundreds of people, a kind of a unique scale, and also Spotify, one of the fastest growing teams in Europe ever. Um, so if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. Uh, so we really get into the weeds, loads of really kind of fascinating tidbits uh, across everything from parallel tracks for managers and ICs, rolling out something that is potentially very sensitive uh, across a big team and getting consensus, and um, doing all of that in a, a team that is based in Scandinavia where there's a different culture definitely to the States and to an extent to the UK. So uh, lots of stuff to get into. It's quite a long episode. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Onfido. Onfido are a London-based startup that helps companies onboard customers quickly and securely using AI to compare ID documents to facial biometrics. All sounds very clever. If you've ever taken a short video of yourself when signing up to a financial service or online marketplace, you may have used their product already. Uh, we used it at Deliveroo when I was there to onboard all our riders. Uh, it was a lovely product then. I'm sure it still is. Onfido are always on the lookout for talented designers to join the team and are currently looking for someone to fill their design ops role. If managing an evolving design system sounds interesting to you, go to onfido.com jobs. That's O-N-F-I-D-O dot jobs for more information. And uh, Onfido are one of my favourite teams. Uh, I know them all very well and they've been very kind to sponsor. So do check out that job. Uh, it's a great team. At the moment, I'm editing all these episodes myself, which is completely insane. I would love to find an editor for more episodes. Onfido have allowed me to do that for the next few. Uh, but if you're interested in sponsoring a future episode, it will allow me to get loads more of them out. The quality will go up, the consistency will go up, the frequency will go up, and uh, we'll all be very happy. Equally, if you can think of someone great to be on this podcast, they don't have to agree with me, but they do need to have an opinion on growing a team in tech uh, I would love to hear from you uh, just email podcast at makegrow.co that will be in the show notes along with all the other stuff from this podcast okay so on to the podcast see ya so Kevin first of all I would love for you to introduce yourself uh, definitely the audience that I have is probably slightly more design focused so there may be some people that don't necessarily know uh, who you are or what you've been up to, but will definitely have been affected by the work that you've done at, at various points. So please do uh, a potted history. Well, thank you. Great. So my name is Kevin Goldsmith. I am currently the VP of engineering at a startup in Seattle called Astrum U. Uh, and we're early stage, so I'm building the team from scratch. I'm, I'm hiring my uh, first designer uh, right now. Um, Previous to this, I had been uh, chief technology officer at a company called Avo. Um, we were a, or well, the company still is, helping connect people and attorneys. We sold the company uh, early last year or middle last year, and so that's when I, I joined Astrum U. Uh, prior to that, I was at uh, Spotify in Stockholm, Sweden for uh, three years where I was VP of engineering. I ran consumer engineering there, um, growing the team, growing the company, uh, responsible for the product, um, basically the mobile apps, the desktop app, web clients, plus all the streaming, storage, all those elements as well. So really just focused on consumer experience. Uh, I spent nine years at Adobe. I was a director there. I worked on uh, Photoshop, After Effects, um, Premiere, uh, Flash. Uh, a lot of that was through this uh, group I had called the Adobe Image Foundation. We uh, were building the, all the GPU and multi-core acceleration that was used across those things. If, you, if you've been around web for a long time or Flash before and you've heard of uh, Pixel Bender. That was that was what we built. Um, but the last few years, I was building a consumer product called Adobe Rebel, a photography product. 
And so as part of that, as part of the Photoshop team and managed the camera raw team and, and a bunch of other things, photoshop.com uh, while I was there. Uh, going back into deeper history, uh, worked at Microsoft and Microsoft Research for a number of years, worked on Microsoft Windows, worked at Silicon Graphics back in the Terminator 2 Jurassic Park days. Um, uh, IBM very, very early on. So yeah, I've been around a while. It's a pretty, a pretty wild ride through a lot of the products that were maybe quite formative in definitely people of my generation. You know, I, I, my first computing experience was Windows, and then my first right. experience of creating graphics, if you like, was Photoshop. And then, you know, going yeah. going through into Spotify, which was such a kind of uh, a, a, a crazy and strange product to, to get your hands on as someone who loves music. So it's honestly an honor to meet you uh, <laughs> digitally across the ocean. Uh, I've been very lucky and I've been very lucky in some of the jobs I've had. Definitely. So I first, well, we first met because I built progression.fyi and put the Spotify progression model on there yeah. um, and linked to the wrong part of the, <laughs> this epic three part kind of saga. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Um, definitely. If you're into the things that I'm into, but I linked to the wrong part of it and you let me know that. And then, um, uh, you know, we, we got talking, but actually many years before that, I was one of the hundreds of thousands of people. And there are hundreds of thousands that oh, have sure. watched those videos of the squads and tribes and, and guilds and, and worked out how that Spotify model might relate to, well, for me at that point, a 30 person startup, which probably didn't right. really need the Spotify model at that point. It, you know, we were, we were a two pizza team. I would love to hear actually the story of the the Spotify model and mm. how it came to be and how it evolved. And actually, I suppose some of the vital statistics of Spotify at the time and like what the problems were that you were trying to solve with it. Sure. So, I mean, I should be extremely clear. I did not invent the Spotify model. Um, as uh, a member of the senior leadership team at Spotify, I absolutely had an influence on it, and I helped Henrik with the videos a little bit as well. Um, but, uh, the, and to be clear also, the Spotify model predated me joining Spotify. So I joined Spotify in uh, spring of 2013. Um, the original white paper, before there was the videos, there was a white paper published about the Spotify model in the fall of 2012. And that had been right after they'd switched to it. So when I joined Spotify, that Spotify model was in place, and it had been in place for a few months, um, but it was kind of already, the, the core elements of that were already established. So everything I'm telling you about sort of the the origin of it is is at least at some level a hearsay, because <laughs> I joined after it started. Um, but uh, but I, can, I can certainly talk to it. Uh, so Spotify, when it was smaller, um, was organized kind of more traditionally, uh, hierarchical model. Um, and that was because that was sort of your start. This is very common. Your startup is growing. You kind of know every, somebody's worked in that kind of model before. It's a very obvious thing to do. So you start doing that. Uh, what had, what was happening was, Spotify was having, uh, wanted to be able to innovate better. And also, one of the things that Spotify figured out very, very early, Daniel Eck, the, this, the founder and CEO, was that the company was going to need to scale very quickly. One of the fundamental insights of Spotify was that eventually there was only going to be maybe one or two streaming music companies. And one of them was probably going to be Apple uh, or Google or Amazon. And so uh, very early on, it was decided, no, we need to scale the organization quickly. We need to grow quickly to capture this market before somebody else comes in and takes it away from everyone. And because of that, um, that kind of hierarchy model, especially with a young company with inexperienced managers, um, wasn't scaling very well. Everything in a, in a, having worked in hierarchical organizations for many, 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 many years, right? You, you tend to have these big bottlenecks that develop where things have to kind of percolate up through the hierarchy to get approved by a VP so you can do the thing that you knew you needed to do anyway, but you need their approval to do it. 
And this was really starting to bog bog things down, right? The company wanted to move, wanted to be nimble, wanted to uh, innovate really quickly, and it just wasn't able to. So in there, and also as an agile company, um, agile from the beginning, uh, there were challenges around uh, scaling agile in a hierarchy. And I've done that as well. And it, it is a little bit difficult when you have these kind of coordination and approval points. So that's where that was sort of the genesis, the origination of the the Spotify model. Um, there were a few coaches um, who worked together to sort of think about how we could organize to get around these bottlenecks, um, be more autonomous, and they invented the Spotify model. So that was that predated me, but uh, when I joined, it was it, the white paper. If you read the white paper, it um, by the time we made the videos, like the model had continued to evolve. The original, when I joined, I took over sort of the original tribe uh, at Spotify, which was called the Music Player Tribe. And that was about as close to that original design uh, as any of the organization. Would, um, you, would you be able to speak to what the, uh, in, in kind of as simple layman terms as possible, what the, I suppose, the core concept of the this way of thinking was um, in the, the simplest form and, uh, you know, the, the squads, tribes and guilds. Uh, in yeah. <laughs> It's fairly complicated. I know that there's multiple videos to kind of try and explain it. So I suppose just in as simple a way as is possible to do for people that may sure. not be familiar. So the idea, um, let's start with... Uh, Let's start with the sort of core team, like the 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 base level team. One of the things I always used, to, one of the things I always say about the original kind of Spotify models, it's it's teams all the way down, right? It's um, everything is in a team. Everything is very team focused. Um, but at score, you have a team called the squad. The squad is a feature team. So the squad will own, um, like in my tribe or my original tribe, there was a f- squad that owned search. Right, they own search in the product. So when you went looking for a song or an artist, you they owned that experience, and they would own the complete experience, not just the back end server implementation, but they would own the front end in all the clients and desktop and mobile. And because of that, that team could just if you needed to make a change in search, or they decided they wanted to make a change in search, they didn't need to do they didn't need to coordinate with anybody. They could do the entire thing themselves. Which meant that um, they didn't have to like align schedules or get approvals or do anything. That team could do whatever they thought they needed to do to improve search by themselves. There was a designer on the team. There's a product uh, owner on the team. Develop front end developers, back end developers, uh, mobile developers, uh, testers. Um, everything they needed was right there. Um, and that was sort of the, that's the core element of this Spotify model. So one thing that's also uh, differentiates uh, the Spotify feature team from like a traditional engineering or even full stack team is there was no manager of the team. So this is when people talk about Spotify, this is sort of one of the critical things that Spotify did. Um, Spotify also didn't invent uh, matrix organizations, but this is sort of their version of it. Uh, the idea would being that your manager, if you're a uh, develop uh, a mobile developer, you kind of want a manager who's a mobile developer, at least was a mobile developer, because they're going to help you get better at being a mobile developer, especially because you might be the only mobile developer on your team. So uh, there, your manager would be somebody from your kind of background. They may be on your team, they may be on a different team, but they don't run your team, right? And so all the mobile developers across multiple squads would report to one manager. That that manager was called a chapter lead, and that group of mobile developers reporting to that chapter lead was co- is called a chapter. So the way you visualize it is, uh, or the way I tend to visualize it, is you'd have these vertical groups of people called squads. Um, those squads each own a part of the product or a part of the infrastructure or a part of you know uh, revenue generation or, or, or whatever. In my case, it was a part of the product. 
And then horizontally cutting across those vertical squads, you'd have chapters with a chapter lead managing the individuals within those teams. Uh, the cool part of that model was if I'm a chapter lead and I can see that the search team uh, has, doesn't have a lot of mobile work right now, but the playlist team is actually has more work than they can handle because of some new feature. One, as a chapter lead, I can actually see this disparity and I can talk to the mobile developer in the uh, search team and say, hey, do, do you mind helping out the playlist team? get this stuff implemented. And I can sort of rebalance the teams, either temporarily or permanently, as needed, which means that you know you, that's not something you'd have in a traditional hierarchical organization. It, when I was an engineering manager of a team, I was just looking at my team. I really wasn't paying attention to any other teams. Um, so that group, uh, so within a group of squads with chapter leads and chapters, they're combined into something called a tribe. And the tribe is essentially uh, aligned around a bigger set of things. So uh, the music player tribe, uh, when, I, when I joined Spotify, that was my tribe. I was the tribe lead. I was the manager for the tribe. Uh, and my squads were building most of the product. Um, and so that was kind of how we were aligned. We were the player. Uh, we also had the the ingestion and storage and streaming so it was really focused around well okay we bring the music in we put we play the music out and we have the things to help you manage your the music um so we own most of the product eventually like the rest of the product got folded into my to my organization as we kind of cleaned up uh how the tribes were aligned so that's when you talk about tribes and squads and chapters, that's kind of the fundamental concepts of, of the Spotify model. There was one thing, though, which was we're all working, you know, there's multiple tribes and lots of squads. Um, by the time I left, there was, I think, uh, over maybe 120 squads working across the product. And you want to make sure that um, the way the search team is implementing their servers is has something to do with the way that uh, the playlist team is doing their servers or uh, a different tribe. And how do you, you know, you're in your team, you're kind of mostly hanging out with your team because your chapter, you might talk to some of your peers in other squads, but you're really unaware of what's going on in other tribes. But you want to have some best practices sharing. You want to have like people pointing out things that are emerging that are problems. And so, there was this new uh, layer put on top of it called guilds. Guilds cut across the tribes and the squads. It is essentially voluntary join groups uh, that share a common interest. So there was a back-end guild. There was a, a front-end uh, JavaScript guild, a mobile iOS guild. So there were very kind of work-focused guilds that would cut across all the different teams and let people talk to each other and, and know each other and share ideas. And then there were like social ones as well. I, I think in New York, they had a, a scotch drinking guild. <laughs> um, there was a photography guild that I was in um, for people who liked photography. And it was basically a way to kind of cut through the organizational silos and and get to know people in the in the rest of the company but no one was a full-time guild only type no there was no there were no uh guild jobs i guess right would be the way to describe it um some of the guilds the ones that were much more focused on kind of work stuff they some of them decided there was no forced structure around guilds anybody could create a guild anybody could could do the guilds ran themselves but some of the guilds actually had elected leaders who would be responsible for making sure there were guild meetings? Um, guilds would have meetups where everybody would, you know, go to one of the offices and spend a day doing an unconference or something, and um, and that was so it was kind of up to them. Right, right. So to, to bring it back to design a, a little bit, the one of the yeah. hot terms in design at the moment is design ops, and obviously that's stolen, you know, from from DevOps and and a lot of the the kind of stuff that engineers have been doing for a very long time. I suppose I just had a, a question around how that relates to something like a DevOps role, where you look, or something where you look after the infrastructure as a whole. Does that does that become a is that a squad? So one, who will then oversee other squads? Right. So 
design actually what was kind of interesting uh about the way spotify did stuff um so you had these squads chapters guilds engineers were very much organized that way uh you essentially had uh also the design team the design team so everybody all the engineers testers agile coaches all reported to the technology tribe lead that was me um, I had a peer that was a design lead and I had a peer that was a product lead. So the three of us, the trio we called, um, collectively managed all the responsibilities. The, uh, design hierarchy was a more traditional hierarchy as, as was product, but they were very small and they overlaid the kind of tribe squad, you know, so at each level, um, there was sort of, I had a design peer, I had a, a product peer, even when we moved to another level of scaling, which was called alliances, which I managed right. multiple tribes, I had a design and a, and a, a product peer. And the, that we used those hierarchies to help get consistency right. in design. So if you look at Spotify circa 2013, 2014, as I said, like you had all these product teams, these squads that completely own the product, including the design. And you could tell, looking at the product, you could tell that different teams did different, weren't talking to each other. Like design affordances were different and buttons were implemented differently between different teams. And you'd have a single screen, that sort of main Spotify screen, where different parts of that screen worked differently because different teams did it and weren't talking to each other. So Rochelle King, who was head of design at, at Spotify while I was there, she just went, she'd come from Netflix, she just went back to Netflix um, recently. But one of the things that she did was figure out a way to continue to let these teams function autonomously while figuring out also how to ensure design consistency. So one of the big challenges in a larger organization, like you know some of the bigger companies I've worked in, um, you have a centralized design team and you might have designers kind of assigned to your part of the product, but they really are mostly in this centralized design team. And so um, that tends to become its own sort of bottleneck and a challenge, right? Um, because you need to go through all these design reviews before you can implement something and you're just waiting. So we didn't want that ever at Spotify. So what instead Rochelle did was set it up so that uh, designers were mostly sitting with the developers in the team. They were very much a part of a squad. But uh, at first, I think it was one day a week, they would all sit together, right? So that's where they would share ideas. That's where they would critique, you know, do critiques, um, look at what other teams were doing to make sure there was consistency. Um, so that helped a lot. So you can actually see, if you look at screenshots of Spotify from like 2013 into 2014, 2015, like you see that the experience becomes much more cohesive. Uh, the other thing we started to do is we got much better at sharing code. Um, so originally we had, uh, at one attempt, there was sort of an, uh, one team was going to sort of own all the core elements, but that was going to create some of the same problems. So instead we kind of moved to, well, one one team builds some like a cool control or something like that, and other teams see it and they say, oh, we want to use it, and then they share it between teams for a little while through the guild. And then when it seems that, no, this is becoming a real thing, then it moves into this sort of central organization that kind of manages it. And if a developer wrote it and was really excited about it, that developer may move into that organization as well to kind of get, continue to work on their stuff. Later, we actually got into um, actually having sort of a central design team that was kind of looking across the whole experience. Um, and that was, a, to be honest, that, that took a little while to figure out how to make it work well, because obviously they're going to kind of want to drive direction around design, but the individual teams don't want to, they still want to focus on getting moving stuff out. So it took a little while to figure it out, but I think they eventually did. But that actually allowed Spotify to have things like motion designers for the user interface and sound designers, these kind of very specialized resources that wouldn't make sense in an individual squad, but wouldn't make sense in, uh, it's, but you want those people around, right? Um, that team also started putting together the real style, um, kind of core style rules, um, 
for the company, which we didn't really have till then. It was all um, very much sort of best practices and knowledge sharing. Yeah, there's there was definitely a point in Spotify's life, or at least as a consumer of it, where it became much more cohesive. There was this kind of darkening of the UI and it kind of, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the darkening of the UI, the new green that everyone hated. Uh, <laughs> Spotify circular it, font. It yeah. became a bit meaner almost <laughs> yeah but also you know more muso and probably more serious as a as a yeah i think but. i think in some ways uh, we uh we were just trying to not show as much of our organizational underwear um right. Uh, and right um, we can get into conway's law but that's probably uh, a conversation I, for a different yeah day. I, I yeah I, I can i can talk for at least an hour <laughs> on conway's law <laughs> um, instead I'll link to another podcast yeah. where you talk about it I'll link that in the show notes um, yeah for, for a follow up um, w- one final question on this and I, I and I suppose it's a bit of a clarification um, a functional role or your, your role within a squad or mm-hmm. a chapter lead or those kind of things different to your seniority um, your functional role does not imply any seniority whatsoever um, the chapter lead uh, you were a people manager um, at Spotify. First level people managers were also active contributors, right? Individual contributors. So I think I might have been the first one to finally have a, a team big enough uh, or a chapter big enough where I had to start telling chapter leads, you can't, you can't code anymore. You just right. have too many people you're responsible right. for. Um, yeah. But uh no, so there was no any of these functional roles didn't imply any sort of seniority whatsoever. Um, and in fact, uh, I, I know for the point of this podcast, one of the things that we did while I was there, one of the things I was responsible for at Spotify was building that career progression. Because when I joined, the company was already several hundred people, was many years old now, and didn't have one. Um, and right. You know, I think we were 800. The company might have been 1,500 people, 1,200 people across many countries without a, any sort of career progression framework at all. Um, and I had developers that had been right. working at the company for eight years and had no job title officially, had no, okay. you know. So there was. I mean, that's amazing to have to not have one at yeah. all. Is is kind of a extreme to get to that that scale without people even really. Even the most basic of ladders. Right. And there was, I mean, the, you know, the, for pay, the, you know, behind the scenes, there was kind of a shadow one, but you wouldn't know right. your level at all, right? That was mostly used as a way to check, uh, make sure we were paying fairly. So you were assigned a level, you just didn't know it. Yeah. So, so great. Let's get into this. Like, what, uh, how do you implement something like that? Uh, in a way that doesn't piss everyone off. <laughs> so um, that was, especially in a culture uh, like Spotify, where it was very much uh, a team-focused culture, an autonomy-focused culture, um, a co- consensus-based culture, right? Spotify was very consensus-driven. Um, Sweden is very consensus-driven. Yeah. Um, and that was certainly reflected in the culture of the company. Uh, and so I came, uh, I don't even remember the year, I'm probably 2014. Um, what we saw at, at sort of my level, at the, at the leadership level, we didn't see like uh, attrition becoming a problem, but we saw signs that attrition might become a problem. So uh, we did. A, we were concerned. We didn't want to start losing people. Um, we had done a really good job of hiring and retaining people, and so and we were growing. So we didn't want to start um, having a retention problem. So we did. We spent a bit of time um, uh, looking at okay, well, what are the reasons why people might be unhappy? And that's kind of the first things we saw is. Uh, maybe unhappiness, or especially in certain groups, was, was increasing. And so spent a bit of time working with HR and just talking to people in our teams to understand, well, what is it, if you're unhappy, sort of what is it? And one of the things we started to see coming up was, like, I don't know what my career is going to look like here. Um, 
what's going to happen, like how am I how am I going, where am I going in my career at Spotify, especially for the people that have been there for a few years, right? So in a growing company, especially a very quickly growing company, and I think one of the reasons why we'd gone very long without this being a problem is if your company is growing very quickly, opportunity presents, there's opportunity everywhere, right? Um, there's always new projects. There's always uh, new teams being formed, um, especially, you know, if you want to move into leadership, there's lots of opportunities for leadership. If you want to move into mid-level leadership that exists, senior level leadership, the company is growing quickly and that's just, there's lots of ch ch chances. However, there was no guidance around it. And I think for some of the people who were not necessarily, who kind of needed that guidance into opportunity, they, it, it wasn't there and they were looking for a structure. And I think for people who'd been there and, and had attained a level of not necessarily seniority, but certainly respect within the organization because they've been in the company a long time, they knew all the details, you know, they'd had that respect. But newer people, especially kind of mid-level or senior people joining the company, they didn't have the history. And so they weren't, they didn't have sort of, if they'd been a senior person in a, a different company and they came in and now... They're like, well, how do I get to that level of responsibility? Nobody knows me. So that's where we started to see, okay, people want guidance. People want understanding. People also want to know if I stay at this company 10 years, like how, what's that going to look like? What, what, what will that be? And to an extent too, I mean, you know, occasionally, certainly part of it is people would say, well, I'm not, you know, I would like to make more money. How do I do that? Right. And especially without some sort of framework around it, we were starting to see this thing happen, which would be, well, this chapter lead gives lots of raises. And this other chapter lead, they're a little bit tougher. And so people were starting to move. We, we saw not a lot of this, but a little bit of this is people were having, uh, individual managers were having reputations as being very generous and people would switch to their team um, to, to get more, uh, to get more money. And... Uh, Managers who were also good, but maybe a little bit, a little bit more strict around salary. You know, they were losing people, and it was, you know, that was not a, that's not a good pattern you want to see in your organization. So that led us to to understand. Okay, actually, you know, we've gone this long without a career progression framework. We're seeing that this might actually be a useful thing. So CTO um, asked me to to drive that process, and I think honestly. What he was hoping I would do, <laughs> actually, I know what he was hoping I would do. Uh, he didn't tell me this, but what he was hoping I would do would be, oh, I would go and survey a bunch of different career progression frameworks, and then I would just design one and then bring it to the tech leadership team, and we'd approve it and then <laughs> that, and implement it. And I think I'd been so inculcated into the Spotify culture at that point. I think it, my previous job was at Adobe. If I'd been at Adobe, I just would have done that. Right, that would have been, and in fact, I might not have even done that much of a survey. I might have just done it, <laughs> and and then had people tell me about other things later. Um, but but having been in this culture for a little while and just really appreciating the 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 power of having lots of voices and also knowing very clearly if I designed the Spotify career progression framework and then forced it onto the organization without their input and without their participation, um, it was going to just make people angry, right? Um, because uh, that people in that organization were expected to contribute to the discussions and expected their voice to be heard, expected their criticisms to be acknowledged, which is a great part of that uh, culture, but also... I didn't want it to be, oh, this is a thing management is pushing down on us and it sucks and whatever. Because especially if you've been five years at a company, you have no career progression framework to that point, and you've reached some level of seniority just through people knowing who you are and respecting your skills. And all of a sudden, in this new career progression framework, you find out that you're a junior developer. Um, you're going to be pretty angry, right? So rather than kind of designing one, I instead designed a process to build one. Um, I went uh, across the whole organization, uh, different offices. We had offices uh, 
in uh, uh, Stockholm, in Gothenburg, in New York, in Boston, made sure I have people. I put together a group. I solicited people interested in participating on this. I got together a group representing different functions, representing different offices, representing different levels of seniority, tried to get as inclusive uh, as possible of a group. Uh, and then we worked together. Um, where uh, Originally, we had HR. At various times, we had more HR participation versus others. But HR was, was part of it, but it was really driven by us. Um, and we surveyed. We got uh, you know from friends at other companies um, that... Uh, that were willing to share their frameworks. We got frameworks from a bunch of different companies. Um, we looked at all of those uh, and talked about what we thought worked well, what we thought didn't work well, ideas we liked. And then we came up with uh, what you see now. This, uh, If you look on the, on the Spotify engineering blog, the career steps, one as a metaphor, and we talked about our goals around it. So Based on my experience managing people in different companies over many years, like one of the things I sort of put in, like the the guidelines or the the goalposts or the guide rails or whatever, was that we had to have a way for individual contributors to progress uh, to very very you know to highest levels without moving into right. management. It had to be uh, we had to make sure that people could build an entire career as an individual contributor instead of switching into management career because some people don't want to manage and some people aren't good at managers but are great individual contributors so that was one of the requirements right it couldn't end at now you become right. a manager uh the next part was uh didn't want to wanted to have a reasonable kind of curve to it whatever design we ended up at some point everyone in the company was gonna have to or everyone in the technology organization was going to have to be slotted into it and what we didn't want to see a, a well-designed organization wouldn't be like everybody's at the most senior <laughs> level and then there's nobody in the middle or at the bottom so we were looking for a, a diamond type shape right so you have kind of new entry people coming out of university or out of boot camps or whatever there should be a number of them because there should be a number of them um, you have the vast majority of people who are somewhere in the middle, probably kind of the next levels up. And then fewer people as you reach the highest levels, right? Because it should be hard to be senior, right? That should mean, that should have some sort of meaning to be at that level. Based on um, my experience, uh, actually, I mean, Adobe had a pretty interesting career progression framework that influenced me a lot as a manager there. And one of the things I liked was they had uh, they actually had equivalent levels, ICs to managers. So that made it really easy to move from being an IC to a manager or a manager to an IC up until the most senior levels. Um, so that was something I was really influenced by. Another thing that I liked a lot um, from that and some other frameworks I looked at was an idea of as you increase in professional maturity, your sphere of influence increases. Right. So that was an important part, a uh, fundamental part of this as well, which was the expectations on you. As you become more senior, there are more expectations on you. There are more responsibilities for you and your influence. You become a resource to a larger and larger group. So when you're a new grad joining the company, you're just trying to figure out how to do a job, right? You've never done a job before. You're just trying to like be a reasonable person on the team. Right? And that's your whole goal. Like if you can do that, you're 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 not you're doing well, right? The next level is now your resource for your team. Right? So uh, now if a story comes up or something to work on comes up, you can take it and work on it and people are happy. Um, you're a resource for your team. At the next level up as an individual contributor, now you're more of a resource for your tribe. So you're now the person that people in other teams say, like, oh, okay, well, you need help with this. You should go talk to Johnny because Johnny knows how to do this, right? And it's not that you've promoted yourself. It's just that people know, like, oh, no, like, Johnny knows this stuff because he's helped me or whatever. And then at the next level, so originally you had four, four levels. At the next level, um, you're now a resource for uh, the company. Right. Right. So now you're actually 
you're coming at that level, the people who were at that level, they were attending company strategy meetings. They had, um, they might've been the company expert in a specific technology. They might represent the company at external, um, like, uh, uh, standards meetings or something like that. Um, so they had, you know, they had a very big influence in the company and that was kind of the, the, some of the core ideas. The other thing I wanted to, the other thing that we tried to do was make it so that um, we wanted the values of the company reflected in the career progression. So we had strong values around collaboration, uh, uh, around um, certainly technical, you know, uh, technical or achieving functional, um, higher levels of functional, uh, functional expertise certainly very important. But if you look at the Spotify career progression framework, you see a lot of soft skills represented there. Um, and that was because these were the soft skills that we thought uh, represented the company values. And it didn't make sense to us that you could become very senior in the company without embodying those kind of core cultural values because that would set a bad example. Right? So those were some of the elements. And we so we spent a lot of time. Uh, we produced uh, a essentially a document describing the, that career progression framework. We published it to the organization. Got a ton. I mean, there's several hundred people this is affecting, and some of them are like, and some of them aren't. But it was open for comments, and we got hundreds of comments, uh, which we took in. Uh, and like decided which ones we really wanted to incorporate. Um, made a bunch of changes. Did another. Uh, request for comment version. And we did, I think, two, three, I don't remember how many iterations, but we did several um, before essentially man, the comments were kind of died down, right? It, it, it seemed like either, and there's lots of reasons why people could just give, give it up or stop caring or just tired of it, the process. But, it, you know, we were trying to make it very clear we want to hear your voices, whatever. As part of this as well, um, once we kind of got to that point, uh, we went through and did an exercise with all of the organization to do a, just a test slot because we wanted to make sure that we were getting that diamond pattern. So we did that. So every manager didn't do a full evaluation, just kind of said, this is where I think my people will end up. And then we saw, okay, no, this is, we're kind of getting that shape that we were looking for. So that was a good test. Um, and then we went and trained every manager on on this, we sat. I said I we went to every team, every manager, talked them through this, made sure we answered all their questions. We got a couple more things we need to change. We went back and changed those, so everybody was aware of it. Everybody knew about it, and then we gave the sort of now we're doing it uh, kind of town hall across all the offices with the CTO. Took a ton of questions. Got a bunch of questions. Um, but mostly people were, were, were okay with it. The organization, there was always, you know, you're never going to make everybody happy, but mostly people were, were okay with it. And then, and we were also very clear, this is 1.0. We're not going to change it significantly, but we will continue to iterate on it. And we implemented it. We rolled it out. So everyone got their career step in the, in the organization. And we started using that and talking to it and socializing it and also making sure we were talking about things consistently. One of the things that's important, especially for a company, a lot of tech companies, managers are first time managers. And in a lot of companies, they don't get trained very well, including Spotify originally. The managers, you became a manager and nobody necessarily trained you because your manager may not have been right. a manager before either. Um, so we would, um, as a big part of the Spotify career progression was actually for the managers, not just for the individuals, was to give managers guidance on how to have career progression discussions and also give them a framework to talk about career progression. Um, that was at least, you know, 30 or 40% of the point of this was so that I as an individual know what I need to do to, to progress and my manager knows and my manager is telling me the same things that the manager next door is telling somebody, right? Um, yeah, so you don't get kind of artificially very senior teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was also built into it, as you, one of the things that I always thought was important, um, 
but it's also sort of one of the few perks of being a manager is uh, I like that I, as a manager, had always been, oh, congratulations, like you've been doing really good work as we've discussed and I'm promoting you to the next level. Yeah. That discussion is awesome, right? It's like one of the great parts of being a manager. And so I wanted the managers to drive promotions still. Um, but at more senior levels, theoretically, you're having a broader and broader impact and that impact should be obvious. When you get to those highest levels, now you actually need approval at higher and higher levels. So the manager can promote you maybe the first couple times and drive promotion thereafter, but it has to be approved by uh, more senior people above it as well. So that also helps consistency. And we would do, um, we would do, uh, when some, so we would talk about when in the tech leadership when people were getting promoted um, to the various levels because it could happen at any time. Um, just so we were making sure we were being consistent. And we would have the debates, right? Do you really think this person is doing this? Because I haven't seen that or whatever. Yeah. How, the, the actual assessment process itself, so a manager sitting with a report or, or sitting with a spreadsheet of their, their reports uh, and kind of making this decision, how does that, how, how did you suggest that that went? So we gave guidelines um, and guidance to the managers on, on how to have this discussion. Um, somewhere in here, uh, during this whole sort of process, the whole thing really took all, like a year, right, to do this, um, to do this whole process. So it took a very long time, but we really wanted to make sure that it was as inclusive uh, a process as possible because this is a big deal to 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 do to somebody, right? Like this has a lot of impact on every individual, and so we we really wanted to be careful around it. Um, but somewhere in here, actually, we got a new head of HR at Spotify. And so she, one of the things that she started doing is running the manager training because there really hadn't been any. Um, and so, like, I had been building training programs for my managers after I joined because I realized they really hadn't had any. But she started doing much better, like, company-wide kind of management training. And so that, we, that included these discussions, that included the elements of these processes of this process as well but we but beforehand we this is what this conversation looks like with all the managers this is how you can talk about this this is what you know let's talk as a group of managers about our people and where we think you know where we have questions on where people should be and how to have the conversation yeah. around explaining to somebody well they thought they were should be this but they're actually this yeah. and this is how do we explain this to them so we we that was a big part of the the sort of rollout plan and, and the, presumably, because this had been so widely shared, people had been given an opportunity to effectively self-assess and decide where Absolutely. they were themselves. So then that decision point around here's where you finally are, was that uh, me as an individual engineer, I say, I think I'm here, and then the manager says, maybe not quite. Or is it the manager says to the, the engineer, I think you're here, and then there's a right to reply, kind of. So it was very much what, what the guidance we gave people is for every individual. Look at this, you know. Here's a look at all the uh, surrounding text, and and the what we posted on the engineering blog is the exact document, right? There wasn't anything that isn't there. So you know, we also kind of left it. I think one of the criticisms we got internally was, well, it's pretty vague, right? There's a lot of open to interpretation stuff, and that was deliberate um that was by design um but some people didn't like that but that also left a lot of interpretation well i think i'm here and you don't yeah you don't agree with me but each person was asked to self-assess themselves against each of these elements and think about where they were and think of a good examples of how they demonstrated this behavior and the manager did the same for each individual and then it was a conversation right and that first conversation was Actually, I was surprised how little it was an awkward. I expected it to be a lot of very awkward conversations of people saying, "Well, I think I'm very senior," and the manager saying, I, "Well, here's where I disagree." Yeah. Um, but actually, a lot of people were very. I was surprised how little of that there was uh, that I heard about. Um, and that worked. That process worked fairly well. Like this is where I think I am. This is where I think you are. Let's talk about where we agree and where we disagree, because that also a lot of times. For a lot of individuals and a lot of managers, this was the very first time they'd had this kind of conversation. Um, and so it was actually a lot of people just really 
liked that. This is the first time somebody's really talked to me about what they think I need to do to improve uh, professionally. I've definitely seen similar uh, in in the, the product that I've built and kind of tested. A lot of people, when it comes to actually just being able to read something that may describe them, they're able to, it gives them an opportunity to introspect in yeah. a way that they find very cathartic to start with. But then also there's a level of honesty that can come out of that around, actually, I assumed I was here, but now I'm reading this, I'm actually thinking maybe, you know, there's there's some things to improve here and it's exciting to, to, to find those opportunities as well as anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of value around these uh, around these processes. So I had one. Uh, I'm very aware of time, I, but I had one last question that I was I'm very keen to ask you, which is um, sure. with with parallel tracks. When you're in a management position and mm. you're you have to, everyone needs a manager, and yeah. there are very senior ICs who need managers. Can they only be managed by more senior managers, or? D- would you find yourself in a position where you're managing someone who is more senior than you or or more highly paid than you, I suppose, if it comes down to comp? So I, I think um, one of the luckiest things that happened to me, because I, I started managing people, uh, like full-time managing employees, like I had interns before that, but I f- started really full-time managing people when I was 24 or 25. And one of the first people I hired was uh, had been in the industry for decades, had been a CEO of his own company that had made millions of dollars, um, but had switched back to being a developer because he loved it, and you know was happy to come work for twenty five year old, um, <laughs> and he made way more money than I did, um, but he was exceptionally cool about it. Right, and that actually helped me understand a lot early on. Helped me understand how to do this well. Um, I was I was very lucky to have a very patient um, and sort of supportive, kind of very senior person working for me. Um, so I learned very early on this is going to happen to me, and I should I just need to be okay with that. <laughs> um, and I also learned how to do it well, right? How did the difference between managing a person more senior than you versus you know managing someone more junior? So I don't. I absolutely think if you're only willing to manage people that are your juniors, or you treat everyone that works for you as your junior, you're going to be very. You're going to be have a very difficult time, and you're really going to have a hard time to advance in your management career. So now I'm you know 25, 26 years in. Um, and so, yeah, most of the people that work for me haven't been in the industry long, as long as I have, but I still manage people that I will still manage people that are much more senior than me. I definitely manage people that are more uh, highly paid than me from time to time. Um, it's, uh, it's different jobs, right? Um, different, different people get paid differently for different jobs. If you're only in management for the money, then you're doing the wrong thing. Right. Um, so you got to do the job you do because you enjoy the job, because you're good at it, because because it's what you want to do. And if you're focused on the comp, then you're definitely going the wrong way. Um, or if you believe that you're because somebody works for you, you're more valuable than they are, then you really got to examine your priorities and, and how you look at management. One of the things, uh, again, I think one of the things Adobe did quite well uh is, as I, I think I mentioned, um, individual contributors, as you moved up the individual contributor ladder, you had equivalences on the management ladder. Um, and so, uh, but you didn't have the same pay. So if you're a principal scientist at Adobe, um, your equivalent at when I was there was director. Um, so you had a lot of the same, you had some responsibilities were the same. Um, but I think principal scientists got paid more than directors did, right? And it was because, you know, I could, like, theoretically, as a director at Adobe, I had a lot of influence on profitability and those kinds of things. But did I have as much as, like, you know, the guy who invented JPEG or something? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right? And I, and I don't know I could make that argument. Um, but one of the things they did at Adobe is the compensation was different. 
and actually I, I every company I've been at since then I've, I've I really like this and I've tried to influence that more which is if you're a principal scientist you uh, you got more in uh, salary and less in bonus right right Right, so Adobe at the time, and I can't, it's been a long time since I've been there, but Adobe was salary plus bonus plus stock. If you were an individual contributor, you got more on salary, less on bonus, like less percentage of your, your compensation was bonus. If you were a manager, more of your compensation was bonus. So uh, salaries might actually kind of work out, but if you're a manager, the higher you went, the more of your bonus was determined by company performance. Right, so if I'm a line, an individual manager managing a small team, like a s- small percentage of my compensation was controlled by company performance. But at director level, and certainly up from there, larger and larger portions of. So you could have done an amazing job, um, but the company had a bad quarter or a bad uh, bad year, and so you got a really you didn't get a bonus yeah. at all or a very minor bonus um, because. It is expected that you should you have a stake in the company's performance as a senior manager, whereas an individual contributor um, might only have a very small percentage of their compensation determined that way. And because of that, it kind of evened out. Um, and that so I liked that aspect of that. But you know, again, in some ways, uh, as a manager, if you have somebody more senior than you, more experienced than you, better paid than you. Um, working for you, that's actually a compliment to you, right? And it's because that means that, or it will mean that, you're going to learn how to manage them effectively. And and learning that is an incredibly valuable skill because there's always going to be somebody smarter than you. There's always going to be somebody who's better at their job than you. And if you don't know how to help them be better and help them be effective, you're never going to be able to manage. Uh, you you, you got to switch careers, like you're because you're in the wrong field, right? That's just part of that's that's, you know, in the end, as managers, our success is really we get our success from the team. We don't like what we're our job is to enable the team, to support the team, to help them do amazing things. It's not us that's doing it. It's us helping them do it. And that's where we have to derive our our satisfaction. That's how we derive whether we're doing a good job or not. So having somebody on your team that's, you know, that can bring this professional experience, can bring this functional experience to your team and help your team be more effective, that's like amazing gift. Like you, that's something you should treasure as opposed to kind of be feel like, well, I don't think that's fair or, or whatever. So uh, just to, to close, I suppose, we've spent a long time talking about a, a great big company. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably, Avo was a, a, a step smaller than that in terms of yeah. engineering team. You're now hiring your first designer, so I can assume that where you currently are is a step smaller again. Yeah. Is there anything, I suppose, just uh, that you would take from such a crazy experience building you know, one of the biggest, fastest growing companies in Europe, I think Spotify is yeah. uh, to a very early stage startup and building your team for the first time. Uh, is there anything that you would kind of uh, pull in as, as still a valuable? Oh, yeah. So I think if you look at sort of my post Spotify progression, so um, I went from being, you know, one of uh, six, I think, or five VPs reporting to a CTO at Spotify. So I was managing a large organization as part of a much larger organization um, to moving into a role. As, uh, Avo is a, a reasonably you know, mid-sized company, so it was about 400 people. So taking that, moving into that senior leadership um, role, um, but again, moving into an established company, right? So Avo had their own ways of doing things, their own challenges. And so what I needed to do, and what, one of the reasons that I was interested in that role, was taking the things I'd learned from Spotify, the things that you know appealed to me about Spotify, the things I thought worked well, and going to a completely different environment and figuring out which of those things made sense in this other company and which of those, uh, and you know the lessons I learned there, how I could apply them in a different environment. And, you know, I was extremely happy with what we achieved at, at Avo around transforming the organizational culture, 
uh, transforming the the development team, um, turning that team, you know, growing that team, growing it in a good way. So, you know, I I was able to really, I, I think one of the things I, I'm just really proud of with my experience at, at Avo was how I we taking those things, I was able to apply those lessons from Spotify into a totally different environment and figure out what made sense and what didn't and and actually be very successful there. So the next step was, okay, now um, this particular company, Astromu, the, the mission just really, really called to me is something I feel very passionate about. And it was the idea of, okay, so I've done this, I've joined, you know, um, I've done the Microsoft leadership thing, I've done the Adobe leadership thing, I've done the Spotify leadership thing, I've now done the the sort of startup um, 400 person stage startup thing. I, each of these each of these roles has taught me lots of valuable lessons. Um, how do I apply that at a much earlier stage where we're starting from the beginning? So I've been continually in this sort of transformation role where I come in and help an organization go from where they are to where they want to be or at Microsoft where I wanted them to be, but not necessarily what they cared about. Um, but uh, what happens if you start with a lot of these ideas <laughs> at the beginning, right? And how could you, what kind of organization could you develop bringing these ideas in from the very beginning versus sort of hitting a wall and then looking for a way to solve the problem and moving into something different. And so that's uh, also an element of this that, gets me really excited is what can I do? Like, what can we build doing this from the, from, from the very start? What kind of organization, what kind of company can we build? And so that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm been really excited about this. So, you know, one of the, the, one of the luxuries I tell people of a very small kind of early stage company is you can more or less do anything. Like when you can all literally, when one person in the company can speak and everyone else in the company can hear them, Right, like you can do you 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 don't need an organizational design. We definitely don't need a career progression framework yet, right? Um, but you do need to think about what are the core elements of your culture, what are the things that you value, so that when it comes time when you evolve past your one pizza team uh, into your uh, two teams, well, how are you going to do that, right? Because most early stage companies they just do the most obvious thing. Right. Uh, there's one engineering manager. Now we need two teams. Okay. Now there's two engineering managers. Fine. And then three and whatever. At a certain point, oh, I guess we need a director. Okay. Whatever. And they don't really think this through. And they don't. They they're not deliberate about it. So one of the first things we did as a company is no. We are going to define our values together in a very similar way. It was much faster because it's not as many of us that needed to weigh in. But let's define this. Let's agree on this, and this is how we hire moving forward. This is, and this are, will be our guidance, and we'll change it from time to time as as the company grows, culture changes. But this will be our our guidance. So even though today I have, I mean, I have two pizza teams. I guess uh, th three pizza, whatever. I have a bigger team than uh, I have a bigger team. It's not a totally small team, um, but it's still like me running. <laughs> the the this part of the company right directly i don't have any managers underneath me yet but i know i have some a good idea about what we'll do in order to make the company work in alignment with our values um and that's the i think that's the sort of important part um so and and also this idea i think i i haven't said this but i always want to give credit to this idea i think one of the fundamental things Ignoring the Spotify model, the Spotify model is just an organizational design that is in alignment with core values of the company. And Spotify doesn't have, I can tell you, Spotify, many times we talked about, should we get rid of this? Is this still working? And we would have, if we'd gotten to the point where we said, this isn't working anymore, we would have changed it. Because we, no, we had no devotion to that model. We had, but that model worked very well to align to our values. The core thing I learned about Spotify that I had not seen at Microsoft, I had not really seen at Adobe, I had not seen at Silicon Graphics, at IBM, was a cultural value around continuous improvement. So 
at Spotify, what I learned at Spotify was we were continually questioning, is this the best way to do this? Um, is there a better way to do it? Uh, and we would look at every project, successful projects, unsuccessful projects, and say, well, what worked well and what didn't work well? And what should we do again and what should we do differently? So that we were continuously learning. And when we would see something that didn't work quite well, wasn't... Uh, was didn't didn't work the way we thought it should we would look at how do we change it and everything was open um nothing was closed to that uh and we would experiment within our own organizations my tribe were totally different from every other tribe we each did our own things and then we would share the knowledge like hey we've been doing this and it's working really well and that's actually how it we never evolved the model from the top like very, very rarely would it be the CTO or chief product officer um, saying, we need to change the model in this way. It was almost always bottom up. This squad is doing this thing and it's working really well. Oh, that's cool. Let's try that. We're going to try that in my part of the team. And then eventually everybody's doing it. So if you look at like the videos that you mentioned, Henrik's videos, and you look at the original white paper from 2012, you can see a lot of the change in that time, right? Um, the model that Henrik describes is different than the model Henrik described before. There's a lot of similarities. It's an evolution. Um, if you look at, I think I did a talk uh, at the Spark the Change conference in London in 2015, I think. And uh, I gave a whole talk on the Spotify organizational model. And if you look at my talk versus Henrik's videos, which were maybe a year before, well, every, like there's, you can, there's the changes there as well. And um, that was part of it thing is like, well, like, let's see what works and what doesn't. And then we'll just, we're open to change. We're open-minded about it. That is what I apply to every company. Um, that's the kind of culture I bring into every company and I will continue. Hopefully Astromu will be, you know, I will, I will spend the rest of my career there, but if I do not, um, that was, that will be one of the things I bring to any company I work for. Awesome. Kevin, let's, let's leave it there. Um, it's been really fascinating. I want to keep picking your brains over time, maybe. Uh, but for now, uh, I'll link a whole bunch of stuff that we've talked about up so that people can find it. Your personal website is an, also a goldmine. There's all sorts of stuff on there. I realized oh, when I was you. researching for this <laughs> for this podcast <laughs> that I could only really scratch the surface. So there's, there's a whole lot <laughs> more that I haven't read yet. Um, is there anything else that you kind of want to plug? Uh, no, I, I really appreciate uh, the conversation. Thanks so much for having me.